Hi, Creative. It's Lauren here. I just want to remind you that if you love the podcast, the best way to support the show is by leaving it a rating and review on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Actually, Spotify just started accepting ratings. So go ahead and rate it on there and tell all your friends to do it because it's super simple. It takes literally one second. I mean, maybe four seconds, but it's really quick. And uh, another great way to support the show is by sharing it with a friend or posting about it on social media. If you do post it on social media, tag me at Lauren LaGrasso and at Unleash Your Inner Creative, and I will repost to share my gratitude. And remember to tag the guests too, so they can also share. Okay, now let's get to the show. Do you have a big dream? How about multiple dreams? Or are you just a person who's trying to figure out the best way to market yourself and tell either your story or the story of your brand or both? Today's guest has an incredible multifaceted career in music, marketing, and journalism, and can help you figure out all of the above. Welcome to Unleash Your Inner Creative with Lauren LaGrasso. I'm Lauren LaGrasso. I'm an award-winning podcast host and producer, singer-songwriter, and multi-passionate creative. And this show is meant to give you tools to claim your right to creativity, take fear out of the driver's seat, and love, trust, and know yourself enough to pursue whatever it is that's on your heart. On the show, we explore the creative process and journey, mental health, self-development, spirituality, and everything it means to be a human and become more human. Today's guest is Laura Whitmore. She's a singer-songwriter, music marketer, event producer, and the founder of the Women's International Music Network, a.k.a. WIM, W-I-M-N, as well as the She Rocks Awards, both of which focus on bringing together and honoring women from all facets of the music industry. She began her career at a company called Korg, which she actually stayed at for 20 years. We get into how she did that. Then transitioned to create her own PR and marketing firm. And finally, she ended up right now as a senior vice president for Positive Grid, which is a musical instrument and software company. Throughout her entire career, she remained an artist, putting out music continuously. She also became a music journalist, and she interviewed tons of musicians at places like Parade and Guitar World. Through today's chat, you'll learn how to avoid negativity bias in your creativity, do authentic and effective networking, market yourself and your business, the best way to choose a path when you have many different options, why it's okay to step away from your art for a while, and how to microdose courage. Oh, one more thing before we get into it. So this day that we recorded was like almost 100 degrees in L.A. And Laura and I had both, I'm not kidding you, walked uphill to get to the recording studio. We were lucky to record in this really cool studio. Anyway, that's neither here nor there. So basically... The air conditioning was blasting when we were recording, but if it wasn't blasting, I honestly don't think my brain would have functioned enough to ask her a single question. So just pretend like you're in the room with us, with the AC going, feel cool, calm, and collected as you listen to this interview. But this is my little warning that you might hear some air conditioning, okay? It happens. Now here she is, Laura Whitmore. Can you take us through just like some of at least like the top plot points in your career path? Yeah. So um, I've been in the music industry for a little while. (laughs) Started out right out of college working at CBS Records in the Columbia House Division, if you remember that, way back in the day. So that was kind of how I cut my teeth in the music industry. Then I moved over to Korg USA who is a distributor of the Korg, Marshall, and Vox brands of Mm -hmm. instruments, keyboards, guitar amps. 
And that's how I kind of got involved in the whole gear part of the industry, which I had no clue even existed until that moment. And I started off doing marketing, artist relations, PR, trade show planning. And I was there for 20 years, so I learned so much Yeah, just digging in there and doing it. And during that time, I went back to school. I got my MBA in marketing. I was like, oh, I'm working in marketing. Maybe I should know something about marketing. And you did that at the same time you were working there. I was working. And I actually got pregnant in the middle of that, too. (laughs) (laughs) So I had my first kid while I was getting my MBA and working full time. How did you manage all that at once? Because I've been, I'm 33. I'm going to have a baby sometime in the next like five years. Yeah. How did you manage all that? Like, I just can't figure out how it's going to work. Yeah, it's interesting. I definitely sort of humbled myself and made sure to ask for help. And I lived, I lived in Long Island, New York at the time. And I moved into this great neighborhood where there was a lot of really friendly people and a lot of kids. And I had no family near me except for my husband at the time. And, you know, you just ask for help. I was like, hey, can I drop my kid at your house while they're waiting for the bus? Like, you know, oh, I'm going to be late. Can they just come over your – whatever it is. I had put my kids into daycare, which actually worked great for me. They went to a Montessori school and they were very creative and they loved it. They made so many friends. They learned how to be very social people. In some ways, it was actually easier than what I did later, which I'll talk about, because my day was very structured. You know, I worked 9 to 5. So I knew 5 o'clock, go get my kids, do stuff with them. It was before the whole work from home craze was going on. So nobody really expected you to be working after work was over. And like cell phones weren't even a thing back then. They started to be. But I would say that I really did have to learn to ask for help to offer help. Like, I'd be like, hey, you want guys want to go out? I'll watch the kids. And then, like, you know, you do the same for me. And, you know, we can't be spending gazillions of dollars on babysitters and no. all that. And still to this day, when I move to a new place, I usually have a party and invite all my neighbors because I need that support around me. I need to know, like, if I'm going away that they can check in on my dog or, you know, yeah. just let me know if something's weird at my house or whatever. Well, you're a great community builder, so it makes sense. But I feel like that's why life feels so overwhelming right now is because we're existing in an antithetical way to how we were created to exist. Yeah. Which like we're all living in isolation versus like community building. So that's why what you do is so powerful. So going back to Korg and then graduate school. It was interesting, too, because I had to make a decision. I'm a musician. I was in like three bands at the time where I decided I'm going to have a kid and go to graduate school. And I knew I couldn't do music at the same time. I was like, I'm going to have to put something else to give. Right. How did you deal with that loss in that moment? I really wanted to have kids. And I was like, I'm okay putting this to the side. I loved my job. Yeah. Right. So I had that. That was very fulfilling for me. And I actually really love learning. So going to school felt like investing in a piece of myself. Right. So I was okay with it. It took me like six years to get my master's degree, though, because it was all at night. Well, that makes sense. You know, I was fortunate that my company, you know, helped me pay for it. So I didn't walk away with any debt from it or anything. And I was able to immediately put to use what I learned. So, you know, I went through all of that. And then after I finished the degree, you know, I got promoted. I was really doing really exciting things at Korg with marketing and became the editor of their in-house magazine, which sort of led to a lot of other things later. So I would say like my career, that 20 years at Korg USA really enabled me to 
really learn so many different elements that helped me to continue to be creative. Like, you know, so there was, there was a lot of pieces to the puzzle that that company, you know, valued developing their employees, which is so rare. I was going to ask you, like, how did you work in one place for 20 years? Because I've experienced corporate America, even working for smaller companies, very rarely do they see you as anything other than a means to the end. Mm -hmm. So it makes sense when you explain all that, that you had so many different jobs and they let you kind of be yourself and shapeshift in the way that you're so good at. It actually worked out great. Yeah. In the end. So it's all tricky, though, you know. It's so and then, tricky. You know, and then I left that company. I won't really get into why, but. <laughs> <laughs> it was a very peaceful ending. <laughs> and Everything I'm still, was like, roses. I'm still friendly with, you know, people there and the leadership there. Yeah. And I ended up moving out to California, Bay Area okay. for a few years. And I started my own marketing and PR agency called Mad Sun Marketing. Just really did for other companies in the musical instrument industry what I was doing at Korg and, you know, big and small. So for some of them, I was their whole marketing team. And for others, I did just PR or just graphic design or whatever they needed. Mm -hmm. So I became even like more diverse in what I was focusing on. And I have to say, starting a business, it was 2008. So like, you know, everything dipped. It wasn't bad for me because people downsized their teams, but they still needed to do stuff. So freelance was actually better for them. Freelance was okay. But it was really hard to get it off the ground because like sometimes when you're starting a business like that, you're doing work that you don't really, it's not really like your favorite thing. You know, it's it's a lot of stuff that you're like, oh, I just need to take some business in. I'm going to do this. So the first year I was literally thinking, can I do this? Maybe I should start looking for a job. I'm not sure I can do it. But then I got a really fun client, a boutique amp company, and I was like, okay, this is fun. I know how to do guitar amps because I had worked on Marshall and Vox for years. And then it sort of like grew from there. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I was doing Mad Sun for, I think it was maybe 13 years. So I had been working from home for 13 years before the pandemic. You I were knew how to very do that. advanced. <laughs> <laughs> I was a specialist in working from home. I actually, for a while, wrote a blog about working from home. Because I was like, oh, like, there's so many things that are complicated about that, especially if you're a social person. I mean, there's things that are beautiful about it and complicated. Like, you know, sometimes you also don't realize you're just feeling bad because you haven't been out of the house. Change your environment. Yeah. 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 So that was definitely a learning experience. And, and uh, the business grew. I hired a couple of people. And it was nice because everybody could work from home. It was all virtual. Although I will say that in this country, we are not set up to have a business that way. The tax stuff is, and the business part of it is really complicated. Even for a tiny business like mine. Like you you hire out-of-state Yeah, to like pay payroll and pay all the state taxes and different, it's so complicated. Like it's it's like something that probably has to change down the road if more and more people are working in all these different places. So yeah, so I did Madsun and few years ago, one of my clients, I picked up a new client, Positive Grid, brought me in to do some marketing work for them and some PR work. And, you know, we had some great product launches. And then the CEO of Positive Grid offered me a job in-house as VP of marketing. I first said no. Yeah. Yeah. I said no. I was like, oh, no, I love doing this agency thing. I'm not giving up my business to go work in-house for you. But then, you know, as things progressed and the company just really took off like a bullet when they launched a Spark Amp, um, this was like the end of 2019. And, 
you know, I had worked at that point with so many different companies in the musical instrument industry, maybe like even 30 or 40. And this company just felt really special to me. Like they were so creative. They were so pushing the envelope, you know, really encouraging you to innovate as a marketer. And I was like, yeah, maybe this is the right thing. So I started in-house with them April 1st, 2020. Kudos on them for hiring during that time because most people were making cuts and like out of fear, sometimes not even like necessity. So it says a lot about who they are as a company and what they're willing to do to innovate. Yeah. And it was a lot of uncertainty then. And, you know, we had just launched this great new product. It was a viral hit, but with the logistics around the pandemic, it was really hard to get it into people's hands. So it was a little terrifying. It was risky. But it was definitely the right move because the company just like went crazy after that. The product was a perfect match for people being at home and wanting to be creative and being musical. We've come out with a we new, have one we here. Know, we have like the new little so cute mini. You can see how little, I love it. How little tiny it is. And we're just launching right now that you can customize what your grill looks like. So. This is a custom design that I actually created for you. I know, and I love it so yes. much. I, I was saying there's never been like a cute amp. Most of them just look so yeah. boring. I mean, they do the job. Boring amps are over. Boring this amps is- are over. <laughs> We're going into the Spark. Yeah, and the cool thing about this, so this is a Spark Mini. It's a 10-watt amp, and you'll see when you plug this in, It's funny because I'm a musician myself, and I was like, how good could this really sound? You know, you're working on the marketing, you're working on telling the story. And then I got the first sample of it at my house, and I I didn't even plug my guitar in. I just put some music through it because it's a Bluetooth speaker, too. That's so cool. And my jaw just dropped. And I almost cried because I'm like, you know, I don't know if you know, but in marketing, like sometimes you got to market stuff that you don't really love. Right. right? You were sitting there thinking like, what's the spin on this Yeah, I'm like, this better be good. (laughs) Actually, I felt the same way about the first spark because the hype was so big. And I'm like, what if we ship it and people don't like it? But this is, it's kind of mind-blowingly great sounding. So tell me about, because you use your creativity for so many different things. And we're going to get into the She Rocks Awards. We're going to get into Women International. Oh, I forgot all about that part. Yeah, (laughs) because I was going to say, let's not leave, let's also not leave off that you're a music journalist. Yeah. I'm also a multi-passionate person and pursuing concurrent multiple careers at once. Yeah. And I want to get your advice because I'm starting to lose my mind a little bit with it. Yeah. But, uh... So tell me, how does creativity and marketing differ from like when you're writing a song, from when you're covering a story? Like, how does your creativity alter from thing to thing? Yeah, it's interesting. Like when I'm thinking about business, like, oh, how are we going to tell the story of this product or what's the campaign or whatever? I really tried to boil it down to like, what is the essence of Mm. like, I say it's the three things, right? The three things I'm trying to keeping people's brains because they're not going to remember the 30 things that are great about this product. Like they just want to know, oh, it's battery powered. It sounds great. It has an app that you can do amazing, cool things with to learn music. So I'm just trying to think about how do I boil it down to like the smallest idea that will have the biggest impact. I try to separate myself from what did I do before? Oh, that worked. That didn't work. Mm. Like, and just really have this like blue sky brainstorm in the beginning of thinking about that kind of work, because I find that if you put any parameters on yourself, then your thinking gets too small. 
Mm, Whereas if you just allow yourself to go crazy, like you might not be able to do these things. Like I I remember one brainstorm we had, we were like, we could do billboards in Times Square and like have this big thing on. And we didn't end up doing that, but we did end up doing this really great event in Union Square Park. And like we figured out how to take the ideas. Yeah. We call it like the MVP, the minimum viable product. Yeah. It's like, how can you still make that goal happen, but not spend a gazillion dollars and all your time and still get the result that you want. So it's like result focused, right? Whereas if I'm just going to be creative for myself, write a song. I have done projects where I have like a result in mind, like, oh, I want to write a song about empowering girls and how they should, you know, really think about their inner beauty or whatever. Like I might have that kind of goal where I want this message to come across. But lots of times I don't too. I'm just like something like, appears in my brain it's more free like, I'm like let me let me explore that a little bit and you know there's way less parameters for me on that kind of creativity but it kind of sounds like the through line is you let yourself dream in the beginning and then yeah. you refine as you go along so you let yourself get as big and even as messy as you want yeah. to and don't inhibit that because I think that like having negativity, you never would have yeah. gotten to that like yeah. that part where you got the smaller idea that was more specific and like doable. Oh, yeah, totally. If you didn't let yourself get messy and dream right. in the beginning and come up with a wild idea of like, yeah. let's do it in Times Square. Yeah. So you don't right. get hindered by negativity bias and rather like let yourself go big and then you refine. I think that's such an important takeaway for anyone listening because – If we're perfectionistic when we're starting anything, we're never going to get it done. Yeah, you'll never get it done. And it will actually probably come out pretty vanilla. Yeah. You know, because you're already forcing yourself into like a bucket that maybe you don't need to be. Yeah. We don't want to be in a bucket. We want to be in a pool. An ocean. Yeah. We want to be in an ocean of possibility. (laughs) But I think too, like that's one of the things like working at Positive Grid, like I know they're like that when they're doing product development too. They're literally like, what's the craziest thing? Like, yeah. like, there's so many musicians there, so they know, like, what would I want? What you do know? you think is the benefit of being a musician working on something that's, like, artist-adjacent or, like, for artists? Oh, I think it's a huge benefit because even, you know, you mentioned I'm a journalist. I have interviewed hundreds of musicians. And the fact you can talk to somebody about songwriting and really understand, like, what are their struggles? Like, how do they dig into an idea like you know how do they think about the tone of their instrument or you know starting working with a groove like you really understand that I think understanding your audience is like super key to getting anything across in a genuine way and it's really tricky I think especially for musicians like their bullshit meter is so attuned (laughs) you know um and to be able to just genuinely like be able to think about like oh like i i think i understand like how somebody would relate to this i think it helps so much and then i want to ask you because you do so many things and you are so many things first of all what do you think your big three are like if you were (laughs) marketing yourself yeah what are your big three I mean, I think I'm definitely like a marketer first. Like I'm a workaholic for sure. I probably invest way too much of my life in that, but I do enjoy it a lot. 
I think mom probably comes second. I have two kids. They're both adults now, which is a little bit mind-blowing to me because I'm only 21. I don't know how that happened. So, yeah. And I love them fiercely. They are awesome, independent people, but I always want to be there for them. I'm going to get really emotional if if I keep talking about them. And they've had struggles, but they're both in a really good place right now. I'm going to knock on wood. I'm like their biggest fan. So there's that. And then I do think of myself as a musician. I know I didn't say journalist. I have like a love-hate relationship with journalism, which we can talk about. But, oh, I'd love to. But I mean, I, I've, I've, loved, <laughs> I've loved music and making music since I was like in kindergarten. I think I, I wrote my first song with my sister with our like Barbie dolls singing it, you know. So I couldn't imagine a life without music and making music and being a champion of others that make music, which yeah. I love that. Oh, you're very, very good at that. You know, I listened to a bunch of interviews you did in preparation for this. And in one of them, you had said that when you were younger, you really wanted to go to Berkeley. Yeah. And your parents were like, nope, not happening. And I'm curious for you, like, how much did that, having that in your head, affect the way you pursued your artistic career and even do still? Because I know you're currently putting out music and you're very much still an artist. I think it affected me greatly still it still continues to do that like my confidence in my own ability to make music and even in my skill I'm just okay I'm a good songwriter I think I'm a really good at that I think as a guitarist I'm mediocre (laughs) I think it's really tough you know when you're a kid and you're really in love with something and your parents are like I don't think that's gonna work for you go do this instead like You've got to be really strong to not have that affect you in a profound way. And, you know, it's been tough. I've had some therapy on it. but yeah. <laughs> I was going to because I, I, re- I mean, my parents are very supportive. But my dad, he's first generation Italian, you know. Yeah. And so he's a financial planner. He supports me, but he's scared for me. Yeah. And so I think I carry that fear Anytime I jump off into the deep end, anytime I do something entrepreneurial or I put out a single or I, you know, launch a podcast, I'm like, okay, like what's going to happen? Is it going to be okay? Can I support myself? Will I be all right? Mm -hmm. And how do you work on reparenting yourself and kind of like taking that little one and saying like, hey, you are an artist. It's all right. Yeah. You know, it's interesting because I was, you know, when I was younger, I was so wrapped up in the idea of being a performing artist like that to me was success right and then I ended up going to school for music business and I started working in the business of music I still pursued like being an artist and at some point in my career like something switched in my brain that I was like I can be successful in a different way and I can still enjoy making music and I felt freed by that Mm. you know I felt like I don't need to put that parameter on myself. Like if I'm not a professional artist and I'm not successful, really bogged me down. It made me kind of bummed out, you know? And I think actually taking that pause from making music when I was, you know, having kids and doing my master's degree allowed me to step back and have a different perspective when I jumped back in. And I had much more fun making music at that point when I wasn't so wrapped up and having to be like a success at making music. If someone's in that trajectory right now, whether they're a musician or they're pursuing some other creative path and they've got like this professional career and they're kind of deciding like, do I go all in on the artist thing or should I like focus on this professional career and really make it my mainstay? 
what advice would you give to them on how to know what path is best at that moment? And that's a really tough question because everybody's different. But I think when you have hard decisions like that, you have to think about like if you flipped a coin and it said be a professional or if it things said be a musician, like would you be disappointed in the answer? Like if it said be a professional, would you be like, oh, like that's so sad. I'm not yeah. going to be a musician anymore. Like how would you feel about that decision? I think that could inform you of that path. But I also think being an artist – it's really hard in our society. It's not valued mm-hmm. in the same way. It's as punished, some other, actually. It's punished, and it's yeah. a really tough life. And I think even the way, like, our healthcare system is set up and, like, yeah. I mean, for women especially, like, the things that women have to deal with to be a professional musician, it's a really hard life. But I know for some people, like, it's who you are. It's not mm-hmm. like it's a profession. It's, like, part of you. You can't right. just walk away from that and be okay. I think it's... It's a really tough thing to do. I also feel like, though, and this is what I've learned over the years, because I have—I don't want to say dabble because I'm usually all in when I'm in a project. <laughs> I've definitely pushed myself on this windy road. And, you know, there are things when you're like, okay, let me just try this a little bit and see how I feel about it. Like, you don't have to 100% give up one thing to try yeah. Something else. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, no one's going to come and be like, you haven't put out music for six months. Your artist card is revoked. Yeah, right? <laughs> like, yeah. you could try it, like, and see how it feels. And sometimes I feel like we're holding on for a younger version of ourselves yeah. that's no longer accurate, but we're doing it to, like, protect them from some feeling of failure when it's not that. It's you readjusting for your current life situation. Yeah. And I also think being open-minded to... You know, like I was saying before, that idea of what is successful, what am I going to f- feel passionate about? Yeah. Like closing that door on anything, it could be a really big mistake because I found, you know, sometimes something will be put in front of me. Like um, for a while, I was producing a live stream interview series in New York City where we had these events. It was called Backstory right. pre-pandemic. So cool. And it was really fun. And I, it just like kind of appeared in front of me and... What a ride that was. It was awesome. But I wasn't sitting there going, oh, I should produce a live stream interview series. And not only was it really interesting to do, but I met a ton of people and other doors opened Mm -hmm. from that. And I think that's the key, too, is, you know, okay, so say you're a musician and maybe some other opportunity comes up and you start working on it and you're meeting people from the business side of the industry like that can open a lot of doors for you in other ways right as well you know yeah and like have you seen that work out because that's another thing you talked about in one of the interviews which I've had the same idea I think so many people who've gone on business sides of things that they actually want to do have thought like I'll just get in through the back door (laughs) and it rarely works but like why do you think that is because you would think okay I'm in a company that actually supports artists I'm an artist. Why aren't they supporting me like the way I'm supporting their business? I think there's a couple of thoughts I have there. I think one of them is when you want it so bad and you're like, oh, I'm going to go work at CBS Records so I can get to know the people at the record label and then maybe I'll get a record And that's what she did. It's a little bit like maybe there's this sense of 
like desperation or trying too hard or whatever. Like you have to be really good still. Like no label is going to sign you just because you work there. Right. And it's probably going to be even harder for you to get signed if you they're work thinking there. of you of, yeah. as something else. Yeah. Right. I think the key is just you still have to be really good. Mm-hmm. I'm a big proponent of networking. I think it's like the key to anything that you do anywhere. Right. But my idea of networking, and I've actually taught workshops on networking, <laughs> is you have to go into the conversation thinking that let's find this mutual thing. Mm-hmm. Like you can't go into it thinking, what am I going to get from that, from that person? I want them to do something for me. Because that makes somebody back away, right? But if you're sort of exploring, like, who are you? Like, do we have something in common? Like, can we help each other? You know, what can I offer you rather than what can you give to me? Yeah. Like, it's a totally different energy. Totally. Never ask someone, can I pick your brain? (laughs) No, my brain is fine. Doesn't need to be picked. It's thoroughly picked already. you know, like, I don't mind that so much if I was a student and they're like, hey, I'm majoring in music business and, like, I just wanted to talk to you about your career. Like, I need some advice. I'm fine with that. Like, I'm actually surprised more people don't do that. But I just think it has to come from a genuine place of, like, let me learn. I'm not... In the place where I just want you to give me something. Right. And I'm not. Well, even the energy of like, let me pick your brain. I think it just sounds like vampiric or something. But like, could I learn from you? I'm like, oh, hell yeah. Like, come on, like shadow me for the day. Let's hang out. It's so much more inviting. Or could I get to know you? Like, sure. Like, let's talk. Let's catch up for 15 minutes on the phone. You're so right. It's like, it's a a people first mentality versus a gimme mentality. Exactly. And I think, you know, even as you were saying about, you know, an artist that's trying to make it in the business, I would say like, meet as many people as possible. Don't expect anything from them. Like, this is another thing. What I do when I move to another place is I go start playing at the open mics. Like, you don't make any money from that. It's just you're going out and you're meeting the community. You're meeting the tribe that yeah. loves music. And then, like, I've gotten so many gigs from just being there. I've run open mics for years just because it's fun. Yeah. I get to know a lot of people. Then you got to start to see, like, okay, where can I help somebody, you know? And I'm a big proponent in, like, showing up. I think the spoils go to the person who's there. And I don't know. I think that's a lost art now because everybody's home. <laughs> It is. It is. And I think people have gotten scared to talk to each other. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's like now you have to make an appointment to like pick up the phone and call somebody. Could I call you in an hour? Could I call you? Sure. Is it okay to call you? (laughs) Although I will say like, actually, I don't mind it so much. If if somebody like Nicole, our publicist, called me, that would be great. But when people are just cold calling me to pitch me something, I hate that. Yeah. I hate that. I'm like, why are you calling my cell phone? Like, you're trying to pitch me on some service that you're doing? That's the worst. (laughs) Yeah. No, I think it's very interesting. It's a different world for sure. You talked about like thinking about how you can help other people. And you do that a lot. You have the She Rocks Awards. Yeah. And we have the Women's International Music Network. Yes. I wanted to make sure I got it right. And I had to do all four. So tell me about those and how they started and what they are and how people can get involved yeah so the women's international music network we've been around since 2012 
So I'll try to make my story concise. Uh, I was working for Guitar World magazine at the time as a marketing consultant. And I remember they were updating their website and they're like, hey, we want some blogs. This was like the beginning of blogs, right? (laughs) I came up with all these ideas for blogs for them. And then I was like, what if there was a blog about women who play guitar? Because they didn't really cover women very often. This was years ago. And they're like, oh, that's great. Who do you think could write that? And I'm like, look, I want to write it. So I started interviewing all these female guitarists and people in the industry, you know, hundreds of people. It was the beginning of me doing a lot of interviewing. And, you know, I started to hear like all these same stories. You know, they thought I was the merch girl. They thought I didn't know how to set up my gear. I don't know other women in the music industry. So I decided to launch the Women's International Music Network just to connect people. I'm like, how is it that I don't even know the women in the music industry, right? So the first year, we decided to have this event, the She Rocks Awards. It was the first year. It was a breakfast during the Nam Show out in Anaheim, and which um, is a big, yeah, for big anyone mu- doesn't know, big, big year musical show. instrument yeah. show. I'm huge, huge, it's huge. I mean, you could be there for three days and probably yeah. still not see it all. Huge. It would take up the entire convention center in Anaheim, and so we did this breakfast for like 200 people, and I got some sponsors to help, like cover the food of breakfast, the cheapest meal of the day, you know. <laughs> Which is a good little hint for anybody yeah, who's trying cheapest, to start something. Like like breakfast. breakfast. And it didn't compete with other events, too, because Nam had a lot of events. And so we had the breakfast. We invited women in the industry together. We, we gave a few awards out. And it was so awesome. Orianthi played at our first event. She was like, I, we gave her an award. And then wow. she was like, I can play. I'm like, oh, my God, we, get, we can play. Like, how are we going to do that? Like, we got to set it all up. So the first two years was a breakfast. And then the third year, the NAM organization that put on the trade show, it's a trade organization, they said, hey, we have this ballroom on Friday night that we're setting up for another awards event that we do later, general awards do you want to use it for the She Rocks Awards? And I was like, oh my God, I'm going from this like 200 people breakfast to a ballroom that seats 800 people. And my budget to produce that would be like five times as much as doing the breakfast event. I was terrified. I really was worried. Like, can I do this? Can I cover this money? Like, I don't know. And I I took this leap of faith it actually taught me something that you actually don't know how much you can do oh, yeah. until you have a goal and you push yourself to try to reach that goal. And so that year we jumped to an, the evening event that was really big. It was amazing. I think that year we had like the Bengals and wow. Colby Calais and all these amazing performers. And that were you were part booking all those people? We were booking everybody, but nobody got paid. We were honoring these people. They came. They offered to perform. We had a house band. You know, we we were really scrappy. Yeah. And, you know, over the years, the show has evolved. We were doing it at the House of Blues before the pandemic. And Mm -hmm. that was an amazing venue. We really had honed the show, like, so tightly. It was fantastic. And then when the pandemic hit, we actually did a virtual one in 2020 that was 
awesome. I mean, the visibility of that worldwide was billions of people, which we were billions. like, oh, Holy cow. maybe we need to like look at this more. <laughs> so we're now in our 11th year and we continue to have the Women's International Music Network organization as well, where mm-hmm. we do panels and workshops and other smaller events. And then we, we host the She Rocks Awards every year too. And it's just this really fabulous, energizing, you know, beautiful Mm-hmm. event. We call it the classy event of Nam because it's a dinner and people get dressed up and the performances are incredible and it's pretty cool. That's beautiful. And you're right. I have met and connected tons and tons of people yeah. through that organization. Tell me, like, I know this is natural for you, so it may be kind of hard to break down, but mm-hmm. what does it take to be a connector? Like, that's something I pride myself on too. And I think it's yeah. one of the most beautiful skills in life because you can help other people yeah. make their dreams come true. What does it take to be a connector and someone who's a seer in the world? You see other people. Yeah. That is hard to break down, but I think some of it is, you know, when I was talking about networking, it's like genuinely exploring, like, who are you? What are your goals? Like, what are you good at? What's interesting to you? And when you talk to a lot of people in that way, you start to like innately make those connections. Like, oh, like here's a really great like video producer. And then I'm talking to this other person who needs to produce a video. And you're like, oh. I have somebody for you. Let me connect. Even online now, for example, one of my Facebook friends was like, oh, we just wrote a screenplay and it got an award. Does anybody know a movie producer? And I'm like, I know a great movie producer. I don't know if I'll do your movie, but I'll connect you to him because what does it take me? Like one message. Right. You know, and then they can explore that on their own. So I think it is a little tricky with like time management because, you know, you are massively pulled in many directions but I do love connecting people and I also love like the backstage green room at the She Rocks Awards I think has become this really amazing space for women to connect with each other and when I hear about projects that came out of that Mm -hmm. of people meeting there and then exploring and doing creative projects together that is a really fulfilling piece of the puzzle for me so you know I get a reward from that too and it makes me want to do it more yeah you're like a creative fairy godmother (laughs) (laughs) I like that you're the fairy godmother of all those creative projects that wouldn't have been birthed without you connecting them and that to me is that's the karma yeah it's the karma yeah and I am a huge believer in like business karma too it's like you know, if I have time, I will do anything for anybody as long as it doesn't really cost me money. But <laughs> 100%. Well, the thing is, and what I get passionate about and sometimes a little fired up about is it's actually pretty easy to support people yeah. in ways that are meaningful and that cost you nothing. Like leaving a rating and review on a podcast. It takes literally one minute and it makes such a difference in someone's life. Streaming their song, favoriting yeah. their song. Yeah. These things make a difference. And people, I think everyone's in their own lives and they're busy and I know they're not being mean or not supporting but they don't realize how little time it takes and what a big difference it makes. Yeah. It's interesting. There was a, an article in the New York Times, New York Times about, you know, how just like touching base with your friends is so important. And even sending a text message, hey, how you doing? I was thinking of you. Like, yeah. if you got that message, wouldn't that make you feel good? Like, somebody you haven't talked to in a really long time was thinking about you and like sent you a note saying, hey, I just was thinking of you and I wanted to check in with you. Like, You mentioned before, like, we're having a hard time connecting now. And so doing nice things for people, I think, has a new significance in the world. And I will say this. I talk about this a lot because when I was at Korg, at one point, my boss, who was great, 
said to me like, oh, you're being like really bitchy lately. Or like, are you okay? You know, he did it. He oh, was yeah. in a good way. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't yeah. like, what's wrong like, with you? Oh shit. You know? And I was like, wait, what? I am? Like I had no idea. Right? Isn't that weird when you don't yeah. know? I thought I was just trying to get my job done. Right. right? Or being direct. Yeah, being yeah. direct. And at the time, I think I had seen on the New York Times bestseller list, there was this book called The Power of Nice. Hmm. It's this really short little book. With, it's yellow with a smiley face on the cover. <laughs> and so I bought the book and I read it. And it really changed my whole perspective. It's about how like, yeah, you can be kick-ass in business. But this idea of like spreading kindness and thinking about kindness and how you interact with people will like come back to you, that whole karma of like kindness in the world. I was like, that is awesome. Like you don't have to be cutthroat in business. No. And I think as women too, like we don't have to approach business in the way that like the traditional male yeah. does. What is know? feminine leadership to you? I think it is this idea of like seeing potential, nurturing that like being open to having like hard conversations about people's like personal goals or personal challenges. I think a lot of times, especially in this country, like you have to detach who you are from like your business persona. And I think women are better at connecting the whole person. Yeah. You know, I made a decision that I was going to stop not being myself at work, like somewhere midway through the pandemic because I was just too tired. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I'm too tired to pretend like I'm not an emotionally heart-led person. Like I can't keep being like, yes, I am professional and welcome to me. So I started saying like, not in a creepy way, but like, I love you to the people I work with who I genuinely did love and like, you know, crying when the mm -hmm. time called for it. And like, I think that has changed my happiness level so much. And I think other people around me, I notice like respect me and are willing to open up to me more. Mm -hmm. So it can, and I think should, coexist with who you are yeah and I, I think like it's a fine balance because like stuff can get really messy right? oh yeah like people are messy well i'm not like going in and being like you'll never believe the fight i have with my yeah, boyfriend no, like you don't want to overshare that but like but things yeah. that are genuinely yeah. going on or if it's affecting you like yeah your business actually can and should be part of that i think and i think too like you know as manager you know i run the whole team for positive grid you have to find ways to motivate people and to encourage them and to make them feel heard and you know being open to as I said like knowing them as whole people mm -hmm. is so powerful it's such a powerful motivator and I think part of that too is sharing your own vulnerabilities like they'll be like oh you know Laura yeah. was able to share this with me like I can share something yeah with her you know I think people just stick with you a lot longer if you're willing to see them yeah but I also wanted to ask you because I think in life, you know, when we're doing things that are of service, which I see these two yeah. entities as, it's typically because it comes from a pain point in our own lives. <laughs> Is there anything you can share about like what has been the pain of being a woman in the music industry for you? How have you seen it improve and where yeah. do we still have to go? You know, it's interesting. When I was at Korg all those years, like so many times I was the only woman in the room, mm -hmm. but I was running the room. Hell yeah. And to be honest with you, it didn't really cross my mind. Like I was not one of those people like, oh man, it's so hard to be a woman in the music industry. I'm going to make it better. I didn't think of the, the way that I worked with those kind of limitations. But as I look back, I do think that I was held back in certain ways by being a woman in the industry. I think it's all about 
just pushing through anyway. But I will say that my biggest like painful moments in my career were I did get passed over for promotion one time. Kind of broke my heart because I was like, oh, like you're not promoting me. What is my career path then? Like, what is your expectation of where I can go? And there was no answer. And I think that's a huge mistake for a manager to not think about, well, if I'm not promoting this person, like, how am I going to continue to nurture them to want to, like, stay in the team and keep going? And what I did learn, though, was what I thought was, like, the most heartbreaking, like, difficult time in my life. I had health challenges. I had, like, cancer at one point. Oh, my gosh. So glad you're here. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you. Later, like became a pivotal moment where I left. I started my agency. I started the Women's International Music Network. Would never have done any of those things if I had stayed Mm -hmm. where I was. And, you know, I think I mentioned before, like, you don't know what you're capable of until you step over the cliff Mm -hmm. and learn that you can fly. And so it is, like, terrifying to do. But I think those, like, leap of faith moments are so important because – You just don't know. Like so much of us gets defined by the work we do or, you know, how we see ourselves. And then we don't know that there's this other way. There's this other thing. Like we could explore something else and it's okay. Yeah. A lot of people are completely led by fear and it's easy to fall into that. So if somebody is in one of those moments where they have to make the leap, like they feel it in themselves, but fear is in the driver's seat. How can they at least get it shotgun? So, so that they can at least be making their own choices, not dance fear. more. They need to dance more. Really, I actually really think that exercise is like <laughs> pivotal to mental health. Wow! But I do think that fear is fear is a tough one. I think that this country nurtures fear mm. on our society. It's really tough because you know there's a lot of judgment on people. I don't have a good answer for that. I think maybe like you know. Doing things for yourself, I think some of it's part of his experience, like knowing, okay, if I fail at this, no one's going to die. I'm going to be okay. I'll do something else. It's all right. I think that just comes from failing a bunch of times and realizing that you're okay later. Yeah. It's really hard. Well, what you're describing to me is self-trust, which I think is – so there's a few things I try to do on the show, which is give people tools to take fear out of the driver's seat. And then to build up self-trust, self-love, and self-knowledge. Because I started the show being like, I'm going to help people be creative. (laughs) And then I was like, well, it's pretty hard to do those things if you don't love yourself, know yourself, and trust yourself on some Mm -hmm. level. Mm -hmm. And self-trust, at least for me, has been the hardest one. Yeah. How do you work toward building self-trust? Part of it maybe is investing in yourself. Mm -hmm. You know, okay, so you don't love what you're doing. You don't love where you are in life. Invest a little and it doesn't have to be a lot. Maybe it's a little time. Maybe it's some money educating yourself in something new or putting yourself in a different space. You know, I mentioned going go to the open mics. It's like terrifying the first yeah. time you go to an open mic and you don't know anybody. It's so scary. But you're like, what's the worst thing that could happen? Like nobody claps. Who cares? You know, maybe it's educating yourself in like a new skill or just going out and like allowing yourself to be creative in a new way and opening the doors just like little cracks and seeing like, how does that feel? You know, am I okay? Like doing this thing that was super scary and now I feel like, oh, I did that. It was okay. Yeah. You know. 
what I call microdosing courage. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. You know, it's sometimes it's hard to take that big leap and you maybe won't feel trust in yourself, but you can do little leaps. Yeah. And then you can look back at all those little leaps and be yeah. like, wow, they actually weren't so little. Yeah. And I can take that big one I've been scared of because I survived through all of that. And, you know, I think the expectation that you can just take this giant leap and you're going to be successful is probably pretty unrealistic in a lot of yeah. ways. Like it doesn't have to be a giant leap. It can be, like you said, these small steps. Yeah. We call it like when we're talking at work about something new we want to do, it's like crawl, walk, run. Like you're not going to run from the beginning. You know, you've got to like, okay, what's the first thing we need to do? Let's try that. Yeah. You know? So going back to the thing we talked about in the beginning where, you know, we both do a lot of things and it's wonderful and I love it. And I think I've worked really hard to like fight to be seen as all those things. Like, yes, I am an artist and I am a podcaster and I am a producer and I do all. But now I'm starting to wonder, like, can I really be doing all these things concurrently? Like most businesses aren't like, oh, I'm going to make burgers and I'm going to sell cars and I'm going to, you know, and I don't know. I'm starting to like be like, do I just need to focus right now? Like, how do you do so many different things? Give me some advice. I'm kind of confused in my life. Yeah, right now. it's interesting because <laughs> there was one point where I had many, many things going right. on at the same time. Now that I have this job at Positive Grid, it's really impossible for me to do everything that I was doing. I mean, some of them get taken away by no fault of your own, like right. the backstory series, once the pandemic hit, that was over. Right. But I did just walk away from a project because I think it's all about thinking, it's kind of what I was saying before, like if I step away from this, how am I going to feel? Am I going to be really sad if I don't do this anymore? Am I going to be relieved? Am I, you know, being really honest with yourself, like maybe this isn't the right thing for me right now. Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't mean I can't do it again later. Like I could do a backstory event again if I wanted to. Yeah. Like, nobody's going to stop me. So I honestly actually have shed some things that maybe were important to me for a while. And now I don't care that much yeah. anymore. Something else is more important. How know? did freeing up that space affect your mental health and overall well-being? Some of it's hard because I'm like, oh, is my whole life going to be about this job right. now? Like you have to really fight to stop that from happening because there's a lot of jobs that could take over your entire life and your whole existence can't be that. It's kind of tough. But I also think we do it to ourselves. Like my boss isn't telling me I have to work, you know, seven days a week. So I think we have to allow ourselves to like have other space for other things and actually the people that work for me i'm like you must take a vacation like it is a requirement i don't care what you do you can sit home all day (laughs) but you are not working like you know yeah Yeah, i think that's such a good point like realizing what restrictions are self-imposed because i i think especially as like hard workers and good girls like it's very easy to fall into that pattern where you just like get into a weird feedback loop yeah. and you're like, I have to do this. I have to do this. And then, I mean, I, I've been shocked at like how, when I've taken my foot off the gas a little bit, nothing has been lost. And if anything, more yeah. things get done. Yeah. And it's interesting too. Like we just, with Positive Grid, we just participated in a study with Indiana University about creativity and productivity. Ooh. And the findings are almost done. We'll be sharing them soon. It really focuses on if you allow yourself to take creative breaks throughout your day, like how does that affect your productivity in your work? 
life. And it's really powerful to see like if you allow space for creativity, even in micro doses of creativity in your workday, that it actually energizes what you do like elsewhere. Yeah. And that is something that's a new idea, I think, in our society. Yeah. That you can have a creative space during your work day and you don't have to work for eight or ten hours straight without any break for creativity. I feel like it ignites a different part of your brain and for sure yeah. opens up something in your soul. Yeah. So I think that, you know, there may be ways to sort of shift how we work as well to allow more space for creativity. Yeah. And nothing will get lost in that. What do you do when you feel creatively blocked? Like, what's your go-to opener? When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You know, it's funny. During the pandemic, I didn't do a lot of music. I'm just getting back into it. I think for me, it's more about the people connection. Like sitting here having a conversation like this or actually going to see somebody play always energizes me to be like, oh, my God, I want to write a song so bad. That music was so good. And I start to have ideas for what I want to write about. But I also take a lot of walks. Mm. I live in a really beautiful place. And I tend to think like when I'm walking, I used to do this when I was driving, but I don't drive that much anymore working from home. Like some other part of your brain is engaged and like the daydreaming part is allowed to like sort of wiggle around. And that helps to kind of ignite like new ideas. Yeah. No, that's right. My last single, I actually wrote it on a walk, like the beginning part of it. And it's true. Your brain just goes into autopilot and then the creativity can sail through. So I could talk to you for a really, really long time because also (laughs) I could have spent at least an hour on every facet of your career and life. So this has been challenging, but thank you for going so many places. I have two final questions. Okay. So the She Rocks Awards and the Women's International Music Network. Yes. How can listeners get involved? I have Ah, a ton of female listeners who are artists and I'm sure they would love this. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Well, okay. So we have a website for the Women's International Music Network. It's thewomen.com, which is T-H-E-W-I-M-N.com. And we have a newsletter that you can sign up for there so you can see everything that we have going on. We're not a membership organization, so there's no dues Mm. or anything to be part of. Amazing. Yeah, so we get all our funding mostly through sponsors and you can give it you can send us a donation, that's okay. Like there's a donate button on the site. And we also have a website for the She Rocks Awards, it's just SheRocksAwards.com and you could sign up there too. Like you would just get all of our correspondence. Obviously we have all the social sites for the Women's International Music Network. We're on Facebook and Instagram and 
Twitter, and I don't think we do TikTok because oh. we we just oh, TikTok. There's not enough time. <laughs> <laughs> not enough time. Yeah, but definitely. If you follow us on any of the social, I follow sites, you on Instagram, see, and you have yeah. great stuff on there. It's also very informational. It's inspiring. Yeah. Like I see like women in the comments, and like, oh my god, I want to connect with yeah. this person. Yeah. So it's a great community to be a part of. And then the She Rocks Awards, those are in April 2023? It's April 13th this year. Okay. Um, you know, we do it during the NAM show. So NAM is in April this year, which is unusual. It's ever shifting. Yeah, it's shifting. <laughs> They're just trying to find their spot now. You know, they came back last year after the pandemic. So April 13th, that'll be a Thursday night. It's at the ranch in Anaheim, California. If you can't make it there, you can watch online. But we do sell tickets to the public to come. And if you come, you'll get dinner and an incredible, inspiring show. I can guarantee you, you will walk away feeling really great, energized, and happy. And you'll get to talk to a lot of people there. Like, you know, the artists that come, they usually sit in the house and mingle with people. And it's, it's pretty, it's really cool. Yeah, yeah, I love that. Breaking barriers. Yeah. Okay, so my final question for you. Okay. You were a young whippersnapper, probably like 21, 22, when you started this career. <laughs> If you and that version of yourself were standing in the same room looking at each other, what do you think she would say to you today and why? I think she would say, I'm going to get emotional, that you kicked ass. Like, you did good. You definitely did and you are and you keep doing well. And you keep evolving. And it's so inspiring to see, like, just because you've chosen one path doesn't mean that's ever the end for you. You can always totally. reinvent yourself and add and become more than you ever thought you could be. Yeah. And I think, you know, being able to step through the next door, it's a learned skill. Try it. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's okay. Like, there are a gazillion possibilities out there. Yeah. It's never the end of the road. You know, I never thought about a career that was going to be so windy and so faceted. And, you know, when you're young, you have no clue. You're like, oh, I want to be this like point A to point B. That's it. You know, (laughs) you don't know. Nobody tells you. And, you know, my career, even though it's been in the musical instrument part of the business almost the whole time, it has many, many surprising steps. And I often think like my mom died before I started the Women's International Music Network. And I'm like, oh, my mom would have loved this so much. Like, I can't believe she never knew. Well, Um, I don't know what your spiritual practices are, but I always notice the year after someone that's important to me passes, it's almost like there's a gust of wind at my back. mm -hmm. And like... Yeah, like the year after my grandma passed to like help raise me, I like got into People Magazine and my podcast started like popping yeah. up. So it's like I do feel like that's cool. They're pushing you or like yeah. blowing wind yeah. at your it's back like from the okay. other side, and yeah. maybe they gave us the ideas in the first place. Maybe. Who knows? Did you ever read that book, Big Magic? I listened to the podcast, but I never read yeah. the book all the oh way my gosh. through. Yeah, guys, read Big Magic. Yeah, it is. That was an energizing book. And Liz Gilbert really, is magic. Liz Gilbert is magic. And I actually had the privilege. This was also a pivotal moment in my life. I spent a three-day weekend workshop with Liz Gilbert wow. and like 500 other people. But the workshop that she led completely changed my life. It was really digging deep into who you are and what you want and yeah. what baggage you have. Totally. 
Well, because I think that that's why I like doing the podcast the way I do it. It's like that stuff is indivisible from your creative life. Yeah. Like if we think we can separate it, that's cute. But good luck. Yeah. You know, it's always going to come out. And it's like maybe sometimes the very thing standing between you and what you want or what you think you want. Yeah. But I want to circle back to our question one more time. Oh. What would you say to that younger version of yourself and why? I think my younger version was very self-conscious and very scared and cared way too much about stuff that wasn't that important. So I would probably say, like, you know, ease up a bit. Yeah. Like, it's okay. You know, take a breath. That's always good advice. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being here. You are an inspiration, and I love this conversation. Thank you so much. This has been awesome. This has been kind of therapeutic. Yeah, for me too. (laughs) We we both teared up. We talked. No, we 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 figured out some things. (laughs) I feel like I like no matter what I do next, now I'll be okay. Thank you. Yeah, it all works out. Yeah, and if it doesn't work out, Plan B. Yeah, or C or D or E. There's so many options. Yeah. yeah, I will say save. Be a oh, saver. Because yeah. yes. then you have more options. That's right? true. Yeah. That makes it easier. All yeah. right. Well, thank you so much for being here. I really thank appreciate you. you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. And thanks to my guest, Laura Whitmore. Follow her at Laura B. Whitmore. And also check out her website, laurabwhitmore.com. You can check out her company, Positive Grid, at positivegrid.com. Thanks to Rachel Fulton for helping edit this episode of Unleash. You can follow her at Rach E. Fulton. Thank you, Liz Full, for the show's theme music. Follow her at Liz Full. And again, thank you. If you like what you heard today, remember to rate, review, and follow the show on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Share the show with a friend and post about it on social media. Tag me at Lauren LaGrasso and at Unleash Your Inner Creative, and I will repost to share my gratitude. Also tag Laura at Laura B. Whitmer so she can share as well. My wish for you this week is you ask yourself what your big three are. Then focus on those and see if it feels true. I'm excited to define that more for myself too. I love you and I believe in you. Talk with you next week.